Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 3 through 21. Verses 3 through 21. If you're reading in a pew Bible, it should be somewhere in the ballpark of 978. Page 978. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about walking. Lots of walking. How we walk in our thoughts. How we walk in our love. But this morning, we're going to talk about walking in the light. So let's just jump into it with our sermon in a sentence. Be careful to walk in the light. Be careful to walk in the light. Let's pray and we'll jump into the word. Heavenly Father, through the word of Christ, you have shined light into our hearts. And yet, Father, we often walk in a world of darkness. Father, we pray that you would continue to shine that light, that you would shine it with brightness and clarity, that we may see and hear and do all the things you have called us to do. Father, I pray you would be with me this morning, that I would speak with clarity and with faithfulness, that you'd be with all of us as we hear, that we would hear in the same manner. Father, I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start in verse 3 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light... It becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And thus ends the reading of God's Word this morning. 
So it's fair season. In the age of COVID, we're having the fair this year. Can you believe it? I have a fair story. I can, I, y'all may have heard this story in other contexts, but I can remember I was about four or five. My mother took me to the fair. She's holding my hand, and we're walking, and we're seeing the lights and the smells and the sounds, and out of nowhere, a giant clown jumps out at me. And I have an intense fear of clowns. So in a moment of fear, I dart. And in my fear, I run into the hall of mirrors. And I go from comfortable with my mother to lost to really, really, really lost. But you see, there's a common trajectory, isn't it? You don't just go from found to lost. It happens by degrees. You go in steps and suddenly I'm looking at a mirror where I'm about five feet taller than I should be and I'm absolutely terrified to death. But it didn't start that way. It started by running away from my mother. In the same way, think about ships lost at sea. Ships just don't go, hey, we're lost. They actually started from home. They started at a port. They started somewhere comfortable. And then slowly over time, they veered off course. Lostness doesn't happen by miracles. Lostness happens by degrees. And this morning, Paul exhorts us to walk as children of the light and to beware of darkness by degrees. As high noon to midnight happens incrementally, so we too are in danger of walking slow and steadily away from the light. If we're to persevere into the end of this life, we must be careful to walk as children of the light. That is our sermon today. Be careful to walk as children of the light. Paul gives us two broad commands this morning. Don't be filled with debauchery. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, the first command is don't be filled with debauchery. Now, debauchery is kind of an old term. You know, I don't think I've ever heard my parents say, Zach, stop that debauchery. That's not a word we use anymore, is it? But it basically means sensual indulgence. Indulging in things that you shouldn't. Paul defines it in several ways in our passage. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, impurity, covetousness, filthy filthy talk, crude joking. You kind of get the idea. Now Paul isn't talking to, you know... Joe Blow wandering in his sin off on the street corner somewhere. Paul is talking to Christians. Christians need to be warned. We live in a day where people say, once saved, always saved. So I can, you know, say a prayer and go do what I want. But that underestimates the power of sin and the work of grace in our life. A better way to say it is that Christians persevere to the end. This implies that the Christian life is one of fighting and resisting sin. This is something that we need to hear today. I want you to think of marriage for a minute. What are the two biblical grounds for divorce? Adultery and abandonment. And throughout the Bible, we see the prophets and the apostles warning us against two things. Idolatry 
which is spiritual adultery and abandonment. Both of these are addressed in our passage. Debauchery leads us to idolatry. Debauchery leads us to idolatry. I wish I could say that idols were only things of wood and stone, but that's not the case. Idols are anything that we place as superior in our life. Matthew Henry says, If we make an idol of any creature, of any wealth, of any pleasure, of any honor, if we place our happiness, if we promise ourselves comfort in it, if we make it our joy, our hope, our love, our satisfaction, then guess what? We have an idol. Too often, maybe you watch TV with your children and you watch the show, Hey Arnold. There was a girl who had a statue of the boy she was in love with hidden in her closet. That's what we think about when we think of idols. But so often we put our health as an idol. We put our wealth as an idol. We put our pride as an idol. We put our spouses as idols. Idols come in many ways. But you notice that Paul contrasts all these different things that he lists with one word. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, you will respond to all things with thankfulness. But if you're finding your joy in things outside of God, then what reason do you have to thank God for them? The antidote to debauchery is thanksgiving. I remember an old pastor friend of mine, he gave me some good marriage advice. He said, Never stop dating your wife. The second you stop dating your wife, you will start dating someone else. The same thing applies to our walk with Christ. The second our affections cool, the second Thanksgiving leads our life, our affections will cling to something else, and so will our thankfulness. That is a precursor to spiritual adultery. Joel Beakey tells the story of a little boy who in family devotion one night was mocking Adam and Eve because they ate the fruit. He said, Dad, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He said, okay. So the dad went out of town the next week and the dad put a big shiny white box in the kitchen. He said, son, don't open the box. Pretty easy, isn't it? Dad goes out of town. First day or two, the boy spends his time playing on the Xbox. The second day, he hangs out with his friends. But by about the third or fourth day, that box was starting to gnaw at him. And he started asking himself, what is my dad hiding from me? Why, why doesn't my dad love me enough just to let me open the box? So he starts looking at the box, starts shaking the box. Well, finally, he opens the box. And there was a dove in it, and it flew away. There was no going back at that point. But you see what happened. Why doesn't my dad love me enough? He began to love the box more. His curiosity overrode his love for his father. We are in danger of the same thing this morning. Why? Idolatry leads to abandonment. Idolatry leads to abandonment. Paul says in verse 12, It is shameful even to speak 
of the things they do in secret. We don't keep secrets from our friends, do we? People who, do, people who are out on the roads at one in the morning, at night, in the dark, are probably up to no good. That's why crime spikes at night. People do shameful things in the darkness. They delude themselves thinking that God will not call to account. John 3.19, we read that the light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Over and over in the Bible, we read of people forgetting God. Think about in Exodus. They're walking through the wilderness. God We ain't got no water. We ain't got no food. We want to go back to Egypt. They got leeks and cucumbers. God, what's going on? They had already forgotten the great works that God had prepared to them. They get led to idolatry and all sorts of sinful practices. And Isaiah says in chapter 30, You have forgotten the God of your salvation. You have failed to remember your rock of refuge. Do you know what happens when you forget God? Do you know what happens when we abandon God? You die in the wilderness. You die in exile. You die outside your promised inheritance. Abandonment leads to darkness. It's debauchery, idolatry, abandonment, and darkness. Paul says... These people have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The first empty word ever spoken, the first heresy ever uttered, was when Satan said, some sins don't deserve punishment. And we delude ourselves with this all the time. Over and over the line has been that God will not call us to account. But yet we're reminded throughout the Bible, it's either Christ or perish. We read that in Acts 3 today. Christ either saves you or he judges you. There is no third way. And often I hear Christians say, well, God will forgive me this one time. But come on. We've all had a plate of cookies in front of us. One time turns to two times. Two times turns to ten times. And next thing you know, you're like Dante from Dante's Inferno. He says, Midway through my journey, I found myself in a dark wilderness. For I had wandered from the straight and true. Darkness happens by degrees. Think of an airplane. You get a horse and a buggy, you get a zero-turn mower, you get a car, you get a train, you get a roller skates. All of these can go forward, all of these can stop most of the time, and all of these can go backwards. Airplanes cannot. When an airplane stops, you better buckle up. When an airplane starts going backwards, you're in trouble. The only thing an airplane can do is upward and forward motion. When that stops, you just better tell your neighbor, I'll see you on the other side, because it's all over. Airplanes need forward and upward momentum. 
In the Christian life, it's the same way. We need forward and upward momentum. When we stop, we're in danger. Rarely do planes just explode. Instead, they fall by degrees. Rarely does someone wake up and say, you know what, I'm tired of this whole Christian thing. No, it happens by degrees. We let our thoughts wander. We lead off our Bible. We leave our Bibles on the shelf and our prayers unsaid. We give ourselves over to secret sins. In an age of cell phones and technology, it's easy to hide sin today. And then secret sins become open sins, and next thing you know, they never darken the door of a church. I think that's why Jude, I've just been meditating on Jude 23. He says, hate even the garment stained by the flesh. Hate even the garment. You know, I think of Zoe. You know, I I like Zoe. She's a good kid. Uh, I would never let her drink paint thinner. I wouldn't even let her sip paint thinner. Why? Because it'd kill her. Just like that. In the same way as your pastor, I don't want you to indulge in the smallest of sin. Sin will take you where the buses don't run. Sin will lead you away from Christ and away from your inheritance. The Christian life isn't like coming to MJ and buying a grave plot. You know, once your name's on the books, well, you only got to come one more time. That's not how the Christian life works. We cannot rest on our laurels. The Christian life is a constant fight against sin, and then you die. This is why God commands us to join together to worship. This is why God commands us to devote ourselves daily to prayer and to reading the Bible and to fellowship and to talking with one another. I can tell you, if we lead these things off, where it will lead. I think many of us have friends in our life who we thought were walking strong in the Lord, but gave themselves over to sin. And we know where it ended Calvin says, the more one excels in grace, the more he ought to be afraid of falling. Church, what are we filling our life with? Is it debauchery? We must be careful to walk as children of the light and to avoid the darkness. If we're going to walk as children of the light, we cannot be filled with debauchery. As Jesus says, as the light in you is darkness, How great is that darkness? Surely y'all are not cold, hot. I mean, it feels great. I got a jacket on. I feel great. Uh, None of our sweaters are here this morning, so I think it will be okay for 15 minutes. Uh, Instead, let's think of our second point. Don't be filled with debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You see, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But be filled with with the Spirit. Now what's Paul getting at here? I thought we were sealed by the Spirit. I thought he was in our inheritance. How can we be filled with the Spirit? Well, notice that being filled is a command. It isn't a one-time event. It's something that we do over and over. I know plenty of alcoholics. They fill up every day on a 12-pack. They're never full. In the same way, Paul tells us we are never full. We must constantly be filling ourselves with the Spirit. So we either fill ourselves with debauchery or the Spirit. What does it look like to live a Spirit-filled life? It's one of self-control, one of singing, and one of submission. 
Are we walking as children of the light? Are we being filled with the Spirit? Is our life one of self-control? Those who are filled with the Spirit pay attention to how they walk, making the best use of the time. Paul says our days are evil. This means spirit-filled people are intentional with how they spend their time. Being spirit-filled means discerning what the will of the Lord is. By seeking Him, by reading His Word, by talking to Him. And there's two ways we can understand the will of the Lord. There's a general way. You know, Paul will say things like, The will of God is for your sanctification. That means that we should be walking in holiness. That our lives and our self-control should be around rooting out evil things and putting in holy things. That's a general way. But let's think of our lives more particularly. We have a particular call in our lives, don't we? We have college students. We have people who work. We have people who don't work. We have mothers. We have grandmothers. Each of us have a particular calling in our life. So on one hand, we can say, God has called me to love and to serve him. But on the other hand, we can say, God has called, to lo- called me to love and serve him in this particular way. Think of it like a boat. Boats have two oars. And these two oars are what we row hardest as we make our journey to heaven. So let's ask the question. Are we exercising self-control? Are we weeding out debauchery and being filled with the Spirit? Again, are we walking as children of the light? Are we being filled by the Spirit? Is our life one of singing? Being filled with the Spirit means being filled with praise. We're filled with the Spirit the more we worship. Think about 1 Kings chapter 9. They build this temple. Solomon prays. Boom! There comes the Spirit. Now flip to Ezekiel 8 through 10, and you'll see the temple's full of idols. They're doing all kinds of crazy things. And what happens? The Spirit of God leaves the temple. Now what's the thing tying these two events together? It's worship. It's worship. Worship is important for our lives. In Ephesians 2.22, Paul says that we're being built together for a house of God by the Spirit. The strength we have in the Christian life is tied to how we worship. Now, Paul isn't talking about singing in the shower. Look at the words he uses. Sing to one another. Sing to the Lord. He's talking about corporate worship. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Our singing will never make a greatest hits album. Sometimes we're off key, off rhythm, and sometimes we're just plain off. But God tells us, and he gives us a promise. He says, as you offer your broken hearts to me, as you sing to me, it's not the caliber of your singing, but the strength of my promise. As you sing to me, I will strengthen your heart. When we treat Sunday as optional, it's to our own detriment. It's like skipping a meal. You skip a meal, you suffer all day. And when we skip worshiping together, we, it's, we skip, we, it's to our own detriment of our souls. So let me ask, 
Are we being filled with the Spirit? Are we singing? Lastly, are we walking as children of the light? Are we submitting ourselves to one another? It's not submitting ourselves to one another because of how nice we are. It's submitting ourselves to one another out of Christ. God has placed authorities in our lives. Spouses, bosses, government officials, and what have you. Next week, we're going to talk about submission in the home. But I just want to say a couple of things briefly. Those who are constantly bucking the authorities that God has placed in our life are people who are more than likely bucking God's authority in their life. God doesn't promise us a perfect boss. God promises us his spirit. A good boss may make the day easier, but God's spirit will help us persevere to the end. Are we walking as children of the light? Are we submitting to those that God has given us? Now, what does this all look like? Let me close with a story. So you all know I ran the operations at Lowe's for many years, and one thing that I would be very keen on is keeping all the corners clean. Now, why is that important? When people start putting junk in the corner, guess what? They start putting junk everywhere. If you, can't keep, if you don't keep the corners clean, you won't be able to keep anything clean. The same thing applies to our Christian life. We have these little sins and we think, well, I'm just going to put this little sin in the corner. I'm going to put this lust. I'm going to put this impurity. I'm going to put this bitterness. I'm just going to put it in a corner. But what happens is it grows and it begins to fill our entire life. And next thing you know, where's Christ? I don't know. I can't find him under all the junk. And that's where our life ends. So Paul is telling us this morning that if we're to walk as children of the light, it's to keep the corners clean, to keep our lives clean, to be careful to walk as children of the light. So I encourage you all, as we go through our life, every generation has to ask this question differently. You know, if you read Neil Postman in the 1980s, Neil Postman's talking about TV, and how does TV influence our life? Well, Boy, he would be rolling over in his grave today. Today, we must ask the question, how do these habits change our life? Social media, Netflix, the, the way the world operates, even things like shopping online instead of engaging with our neighbors. These are questions that we have to ask and ask. What is the will of the Lord? Are these things helping me walk in holiness? Or are they leading me away from him? Because outside of Christ, there is nothing. It's Christ or perish, and that's it. So I encourage us all today, let's be careful and walk as children of the light. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there's three or four generations represented in this room. And each generation we have faced different types of darkness and yet your word and your spirit has been sufficient for each and every generation father may you fill us with your spirit may you let your word dwell in us richly that we may walk as children of light 
that by our walk and by our holiness that you may bring other men and women into the light. Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing one last hymn. Speaking of singing, I Need Thee Every Hour, hymn 674. Hymn 674.